Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, March the 3rd in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we're in your seat, the first Sunday of Lent, and on the Thursday of the week we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week in the church calendar year. So we find ourselves back in the book of 2 Corinthians, but jumping forward to chapter 5, verse 20, to chapter 6, verse 10. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise, meet God together in a time of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 to chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Now because we are fellow followers, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, I heard you at the acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. We do not give anyone an occasion for taking an offense in anything, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as God's servants, we have committed ourselves in every way, with great endurance in persecutions, in difficulties and distresses, in beatings and imprisonments, in riots and troubles, in sleepless nights and hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by teaching truthfully, by the power of God, with weapons of righteousness both in the right hand and for the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet see we continue to live, as those who are scourged and yet not executed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is the word of God for us. The best data shows that uh, Paul is writing the book of Romans, which is not our text today, but I think it's good for context. Paul is writing the book of Romans uh, from an area just outside of Corinth uh, when he's writing to the Roman church. And later parts of Romans tell us that he has a desire to go to the Roman church. He hasn't been there yet, but he's got some contacts. It seems like he wants to create a base there so that the gospel ministry can go west uh, from Rome uh, to other parts that he has a desire to reach. There's this interesting little line in Romans 15, 23. It says, But now there is nothing more to keep me in these regions, and I have for many years desired to come to you. So we've always wrestled with what does Paul mean there? For those who have such a high view of Paul, like he's like near Superman grade, uh, they think that maybe he's wrapped up his ministry and that it's time for him to mo- move on because of all of his success. But I think if we get into the weeds and if we're honest about the content of First and Second Corinthians, it's probably the opposite. Paul planted a church in Corinth, and ever since leaving them behind and continuing to try to reach out to them, it seems like his space is getting smaller and smaller and smaller until the church seems to move on from him. That's at least what the content bears in mind in First and Second Corinthians. It comes to the fever pitch in Second Corinthians, where it seems like in the background the Corinthian church is accusing Paul of not being all that great of a minister. 
that he's kind of double-minded, that he's bold in his letters, but he's timid in person, that he's not among the super apostles. And so Paul, as he is trying to do so, as you and I would try it as well, if we if we just loved a group of people and we admired the work that we had previously done there, he's not wanting to give up. And so he's trying to win them back, persuade them uh, to receive his ministry and ultimately receive the Christ that he's preaching. So we get to our passage this morning and he says at the end of 2 Corinthians 5 that he's making an appeal to you, the Corinthian church, and to the world uh, to be reconciled to God. And which probably would have elicited a question like how, what are the criteria, how should we know that we should trust in your message of Christ and not other messengers and messages of Christ. And so Paul has the opportunity now to fill in that vacuum, that space. This is why you should trust us. And he does something that's quite odd. So it's worth noting in the Roman Empire that they did not prize the vulnerable. Uh, They didn't care for the oppressed. Uh, People in that culture were obsessed with their self-image. There's a saying that all roads lead to Rome, where all the streets that they made uh, led to the capital city. And then um, people's dreams were to be so famous and so successful, either in politics or on warfare or in beauty and other skills that they would be, there would be attempted, attempt being made of making an image of them and be placed in the city of Rome. Placed in other cities, that's okay. But what would be best to climb to the very top of the pecking order was to be have like a statue or an inscription of oneself in the city of Rome itself. And so if Paul wanted to prove to these people that they should listen to him, he should he should list all of his exploits, all the good things. He should talk about his early days in ministry with Sergius Paulus and all the miracles that were done as listed in the book of Acts. Paul does something different. He actually talks about his hardships. He talks about his setbacks and how they continue to endure. Uh, something that Scott McKnight, who's a New Testament theologian, he says that the, the way in which Rome organized itself is this idea of cursus honorum or the way of honor. Paul does the exact opposite. He makes the contrarian play. He does what they call in the Latin cursus pedorum, and he talks about the way of lowliness and the way of suffering. And you see in verses uh, 4 and 5, 5 against his fever pitch, in beatings and imprisonments and riots and troubles. So he goes on and on. And something I see in the evangelical church is that when we try to convince people to follow Jesus and we want to try to prize others, we go to something like Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know, that uh, resource that kind of makes its way through the circles from time to time, where we find some story from the persecuted church on that trail, and we talk about how people are giving their lives, donating their lives, losing their homes and property for the sake of Christ. Those are honorable stories. But that's not the only way Paul says that he proves that he's following Jesus. Let's go further. In sleepless nights, in hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful teaching, by the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in both the right hand and for the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet see, we continue to live as those who are scourged and not yet executed, as sorrowful, but always rejoicing, as poor, but making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. It's worth filling in the rest of that list. There's a good chance that none of us are going to be exposed to riots, troubles, imprisonments, beatings because of our faith. 
But there could be many of us, all of us, exposed to sleepless nights, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, benevolence, and so on and so forth. All of us are called to this cursus pedorum of choosing the lowly way in which we can make much of Jesus. And that's, that's the theme of Lent, choosing lowliness so that Jesus can be exalted. And so as you and I think about the struggles that we have, the opportunities that we have, but let's not stop short and just admire those who are in the harshest of harm's way in our world and say, we're exempt. Uh, maybe we're like in the stands watching them do the faith work and we're just cheering them on. Actually, life of Christianity is, is a sport that we can all participate in. It's one that we're all in. It's, it calls us all to a level of sacrifice. For some of us, it's the sleepless nights where other people perhaps across the globe, it's riots and imprisonments. But all of it seems to bear witness to how God is remaking and changing and putting the world back together from the middle of its mess. We're somehow like a first fruits, people who are willing to endure hardships in order for Christ's name to be advanced. So let's keep that in mind as we continue to make our steps towards the cross this morning. Let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we understand that the age to come in this current age is overlapping. And although the pattern for this current age is towards death and despair and unraveling, the trajectory of the age to come is one of life and godliness and hope and purity and saturated with the presence of God. And so we think that we live in between these two worlds, but we're not lost and we're not left on our own. We think that Jesus sustains us, that he calls out to us, that he asks us to follow him. God, we understand that there are days, probably many days, where uh, following Jesus uh, seems to be without um, an account or without incident, where we read our Bibles and we pray our prayers and we dwell with the people of God. And it seems like day after day is a lot of the same and it's a lot of bliss and a lot of joy and goodness. We also understand that there will be days because of the overlapping of these worlds where we're exposed to hardship of being misunderstood or people walk away from us, or maybe malign us because of the faith that we have. We just understand from the Apostle Paul's own story that we can move forward, that we can cling to you, that even though we might be wasting away, we are being renewed day by day, that although we are, not, we are unknown, we are known by you, and though we are dying at some level in some way, we continue to live. And so we think that we can embrace that great promise and we can trust in you. God, we do pray for Christians around the world who are exposed to greater levels of hardship, uh, direct hardship, losing life, uh, losing jobs, losing homes, being separated from families. We pray that you would sustain them. God, we pray for us in a world like ours, in a culture like ours, that uh, there's many faiths. And because of that, we're, we're probably just misunderstood or we're mistaken or we're just ignored. Uh, I pray that we would not have uh, a bitterness in our hearts, but we continue to engage in the gospel work and that we would see lives transformed around us. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.